His name isn't Jesus Christ. So do we know what the word Christ really means? Anointed. Messiah, anointed one, right? So in other words, understand what Herod is asking here. He's saying, where is this one that supposedly is the Messiah, the anointed one? And you have to understand from his standpoint, it was all political. Uh, it's all, listen, when it comes to man, it's always about power, right? It's always about who's in control, who's in power. And so let's read on. It says here that he asked where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. So this wasn't something that just was plan B. This was something God gave from eternity past. It was recorded in the word of God in the Old Testament. And the Bible says it was written that it was going to happen. And guess what? It's coming to pass. It was happening. So the Bible says, as we read on, it says, In Bethlehem of Judea, for, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, notice capital G, which shall rule my people Israel. And of course, Herod didn't like that. Somebody else was going to rule instead of him. So then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now we all, we all know his intent was not to worship, right? But that was his premise, his, his deceit is bring me word so I can come and worship him. And the Bible says when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, when they saw it in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Now, when you look at this story here, and I've entitled it, hopefully you'll see that, but they were following a star. That was what God used to guide them. But interesting, when they got there, what did they find? I use the word shack because the truth is, is that there was no room for him in the Holiday Inn, right? Okay. So, so understand that when you look at this, I, I find a lot of times as I sat and thought about this passage, have you ever noticed how sometimes it seems like life doesn't turn out the way we carefully plan it to? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Life just seems like it takes different turns. Uh, things don't necessarily, and, and don't get me wrong, I think we should have plans. Uh, I think we should plan, and we, it's okay to have dreams, but sometimes circumstances, they don't follow our plans. And it seems that life is really nothing more sometimes than uh, a series of shattered dreams because this didn't happen and this didn't go the way I wanted it to. And a lot of times we look at things that way, and that's what we tend to think of. Now, these wise men here in Matthew 2, they were in, uh, three men, well, we know that uh, as you study it, there's no number given in the Bible, but we see the three gifts that are mentioned here, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A lot of people believe it was three. 
Many believe it was quite a few more than three, but we see that they had been traveling for the Bible records. Look at it in your Bibles again in verse number seven. The Bible says, when Herod had privily called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently, notice what time that the star appeared. Now look down in verse number 16 of the same chapter, and the Bible says here, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from how old? Two years of age and under. Now, again, maybe I'm a little off on this, but when I look at that, here's what I'm thinking is, these men, these wise men, had followed this star for two years. They had been led by God for a period of two years. I believe that's why Herod said, okay, from that time until now, two years of age, I want every male child to be put to death. In other words, he was going to, that was the parameter that he used because that's when they said that the star appeared. Now to follow this star, here's the thought I had about these wise men is to be traveling and following a star. That means they had to leave their house, their home, and their family and their business or whatever they had behind. They had to leave it all behind them. And they left their country and as they travel, even the Bible mentions that were pilgrims as we're traveling. They were strangers as they traveled following the star. And along the way, I think they, like many of us, they probably encountered maybe some perils. They might have encountered some hardships along the way. Anybody had a hardship in life? I think all of us experienced things along the way. But as I, as I thought about this, I thought to myself that even in Matthew 2, these men found themselves also in the presence of a king. Herod's here and he's inquiring of them. And so they, they listened to him. They, they heard his request. And eventually they made it to their destination. They made it. They, they found the star. They followed the star. And the star stops over a humble, if you want to call it a house. It really wasn't a house. It was a very humble place. Now, all they had heard and all that had been written, they probably, like many, thought that their destination was going to be a palace. How many of you would agree with that? If it was someone that was going to be prominent of importance, you would think that it would have been the Taj Mahal. It would have been some place that was impressive and that uh, when, you, when you looked at it and went inside, it just wowed you. Yeah, but it was just the opposite. It wasn't that at all. Uh, you know, I think about how they must have expected luxury. They must have expected a nice place, but what they found did not match their dreams. They found the king of kings in a home of a peasant. You know, I, I love, because a lot of times if we wrote the script, if we were the ones to carry it out, things would be different. But God's ways are not our ways. Jesus came, remember even when he made his triumphal entrance into the city of Jerusalem, he rode in on a donkey, on the foal of an ass. Uh, he, even at that time in his, in his ministry, he still had a humility about him. And that's what they saw here when they, when they looked at this home that he was born in, it was probably nothing more than a shack. And I think to myself, 
these wise men, they probably thought, we traveled for two years to come to this place? This isn't at all what we thought. And, and that's what's going through their minds. They found the king of kings in a place like this. And in the middle of their maybe torn dreams and what they thought it was going to be, they found some things in that humble setting that changed their lives. And I think when we come to Christmas, that's exactly the way we should approach Christmas, is we should approach Christmas the way God intended it to, that, listen, it, it, to us, it is something that is very humbling to understand that God loved us so much that he sent his son to this sin-cursed world so that we could have eternal life. Does that still amaze you? Just amazing to me. And when I think about the Christmas story, to me, my life was changed because of the Christ of Christmas. And that's what I want you to think with me this morning, just a few thoughts here in our Sunday school hour. But again, I think life itself sometimes has a way of shattering dreams, destroying our hopes. But when I look at this story, I want you to think with me three thoughts this morning on what to do when we may be following a star like those wise men and we find a shack. So look at the first one I want you to see is because if we are going to be wise men and women, and we should be, wisdom comes from God, wise men recognize God in the shacks of life. You see, they recognize God. It wasn't what they expected. They came to worship, and guess what happened? They worshiped. They came and they did what they intended to do. Well, why would you worship? Because the Bible says that only God deserves our worship. See, we don't worship man. I don't worship sports figures. I don't worship Hollywood actors and actresses. I worship God, the King of Kings. They came, and even though it was this shack of a building, even though it was a very humbling, uh, humble setting, they came to worship him. And look, they got there, they saw the building, but when they walked inside and they saw the child, they began to worship him. You see, wise men and women, they recognize God. Even when we get to those humbling places in our lives, guess, guess who brought us to those places? God did. God many times will humble us, and, and when life seems that our dreams are shattered like these wise men, our first duty is the exact same thing that, that was theirs, and that is when we find ourselves in those shacks of life, we need to humble ourselves. And that's exactly what they did. If you are one of God's children this morning, can I tell you that nothing can happen in your life that God is not allowed? Nothing. God is in control. He's sovereign. You know the story of Job in the Bible? Remember how Job, the Bible records that he was a, he was a man uh, who was perfect and upright, one that feared God, eschewed evil, and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. But if you remember reading the story in, in the book of Job, Job's, his, everything he had, including his children, his livelihood, everything was gone. But guess what? That even in those shattered dreams, if you read the book of Job, guess what you find is that Job recognize God in it. And that's what you need to do this Christmas season and really every day of your life as a child of God 
is that when God brings you to a place that may not be what you thought it was going to be, what you need to do if you're going to be a wise person is you've got to recognize God is in it. God has brought you to those places. When your star, as they follow that star, when your star leads you to a shack, so to speak, remember that in our lives, I'm going to give you three things that God is probably trying to do in your life when God brings you to one of these places that you need to recognize Him. Look at the first one. I think many times, here's what God may be doing. He may be correcting you. See, there, there are times in our lives, the Bible, I love Hebrews 12, 6, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Anybody ever have a whooping from God? You know what that means? That validates that you're his child and he loves you. Think about that. The Bible says in Revelation 3.19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chase and be zealous therefore and repent. So when God brings you to a humble place like he did these wise men, maybe one of the reasons that God brought you to that place is because maybe there's something in your life that needs be, to be corrected. But it may be the second reason. Not only does he bring us there to correct us, but he also may be bringing us there to instruct us. Uh, I, I know there are many times, hey, listen, that's why God's given us his word, because it's through the instruction of the word of God that we, we become more mature as a child of God. We need the word of God in our lives. And the Bible says, as he is instructing us, that what is he trying to do? Well, when I open up the pages of the word of God, here's what I find, as I find God revealing himself to me. Remember the word Emmanuel, what's it mean? God with us. Now, guess what? God's with us not just at Christmas. He's with us all year round. See, and the Bible, when you open up the Word of God, remember, whose words are you reading? God's. And as we read those words, guess who we're going to find more about? God. And we're also going to learn more of God's will for our lives from the Word of God. That's why we need the instruction of the Word of God. We, we need to be a workman, as the Bible says. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. So when God brings us to these humble places, He's trying to reveal Himself to us. Remember in John 6, a tremendous chapter in the Bible, but there was a multitude of people and they didn't have anything to eat. And there was a little boy there that had a lunch. And remember, even his disciples said, well, what is that among so many? Remember what Jesus did? He took the lunch, he blessed it, he broke it, and he distributed it to his disciples who gave it to the people. And the Bible says they all ate and they gathered up the fragments that were left over and there were 12 baskets full left over. What was he teaching and instructing that when we get to a place in our lives where we don't know where our next meal is going to come from, that he is the one that can supply our every need. He was teaching his disciples that he's the all-sufficient one. Remember when he, right after that scene, his disciples went out on the, on the Sea of Galilee. And they were out there on a boat, and the winds and the wave began to, to roar and, and, and crash up against their boat. And Jesus came walking to them on the water. And Jesus spoke the words, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and the waves calmed down. The sea was like a piece of glass. Once again, what was he doing? He was showing that he is the omnipotent one. He's the almighty God. Listen, everything Jesus did 
he taught them and he was giving instruction. Hey, if you, if you watch, and I'm not, I'm, this is not about me, but one of the responsibilities God gives me as a pastor is, is that I need to take every opportunity, not just Sunday school, to make it a teaching moment. Sometimes even when folks are in the baptistry up there, uh, we always have folks in our church that don't really understand what the Bible teaches about scriptural baptism. And I always take that, that opportunity to, to instruct, to teach. But listen, when, when the Lord brings us to these places in our lives, sometimes the re reason he brings us there is because he's trying to correct something in our lives. Sometimes he brings us there because he's trying to instruct us. But look at the third reason he might bring us there. And I believe this is something he's always doing is perfecting us. In other words, trying to get us to grow up as a Christian. Remember, look here, some, sometimes I get around people and they say, well, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I've been a Christian for 30 years. For me, this year and next month will be 34 years for me. Do you know I've met some Christians that have been saved for a long, long time and they're still a baby sucking on the bottle? Just because you've been saved a long time doesn't mean you're mature. Just because somebody has gray hair doesn't mean they're wise. I've seen people with no gray hair that are wise beyond their years. And what I know I need in my life, listen, if the Apostle Paul said, I've not yet apprehended. In other words, I'm not there yet. I'm still a work under construction. Then I dare say all of us, including this preacher, we probably need God to constantly be perfecting us, maturing us. Because watch this, the the more mature we are, guess who we're like? Jesus. And that's what the Lord wants. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is he trying to do? He's trying to mold us into his image. That's what he wants to do. He desires that you and I would be, listen, just like in the Christmas story, just like Mary, a vessel that he can use. But I will say this, God doesn't use dirty vessels. God's looking for a clean vessel, somebody that he can fill, somebody that he can use. I think about in the Old Testament, I think about Moses. Do you know that Moses could not have led the nation of Israel until he first led the sheep on the backside of the desert? So th think about this. What is God trying to do in your life today to grow you, to mature you? Listen, I applaud you for being in Sunday school. A lot of people have given up on Sunday school. It is so important because it's, it's a time that God has given to us as a church to be taught from the word. I take this hour very seriously. I study as hard for this hour as I do for my messages. Because to me, if I come to church, guess what? I know that I need something for myself. You say, well, you're the pastor. I need it even more. <laughs> And so when the Lord brings us to these humble settings, what is he doing? He's trying to, to get us ready to, to do something for him. And when our star leads us to a place that it might not be the palace that we thought it would be, it might be different than we thought life would be. Can I tell you, when you get to those places, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to look for God and guess what you'll find? He's there. He's there. You know what the Bible says, where two or three are gathered together in my name. He's promised that he will be here with us. 
How many of you believe God's here today? I believe that with all my heart. So look at this first thought this morning. If we're going to be wise men and women, and God brings us to a humble setting, we've got to recognize God. And that's what those wise men did. They came and recognized God in the shacks of life. But look at number two. Here's another thought is wise men, secondly, I think they, as we see from our passage, they render gifts in the shacks of life. They came, and and, and it would have been easy for this. I mean, two years uh, to travel around. (laughs) I mean, listen, my patience would have let me go for maybe a week, you know, but two years? It would have been easy for these guys to just turn tail, to turn around, pack it all up and go back home. I mean, and the truth is, after all that, would you blame them? I mean, two years of traveling around, but it hadn't, when they got there, it didn't turn out like they planned it. But guess what? They didn't turn around. They didn't pack up. They didn't go back home. What did they do? They gave to Jesus what was rightfully his. Now think about that for a second. They gave to Jesus what was rightfully his. Can you answer this question this morning? What belongs to God? I'm so glad to hear you say that. Because that is, that's the truth. We, we belong to God. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Folks, understand this morning everything we have, how foolish we are to get this attitude, well, I worked a job and I earned the money and I paid for that and it's mine. You can't take it with you when you go. So understand this morning, if we're going to be wise, we've got to render gifts to God even in the shacks of life. I mean, honestly, think about this. When they got to where Jesus was, Those gifts that they had were far more expensive than the very place that Jesus was staying in. I mean, those were elaborate gifts. They came and brought those gifts because they rightfully belonged to him. We know what the three gifts are. Look at this, gold, the first one mentioned here. Why gold? Because it represents the deity of Christ, that Jesus is fully God. There was a reason. It was customary to present gold to kings. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The gold symbolized his kingship, and listen to this, his authority to rule. Now again, that's not something Herod wanted to hear. In your life today, and I want you to think about this, is the Lord ruling in your life? It's an interesting thought. Because if he's not first place, if he's not in control, then he's not ruling in your life. You are. Let's see, he brings us to this place where we can see that they rendered these gifts to him, and the first one was gold. The second one was frankincense little different than maybe what we would be accustomed to in our day, but frankincense was something that was put together, made from a tree substance. It represented his priesthood. Not only was he, did he come to be king, but that he is 
a priest or a part of the priesthood. In other words, when you study the Word of God, and we'll talk about this tonight in our message tonight, but Jesus is our great high priest. There's great significance. These gifts were not just, you know, it's, it, it, listen, these guys didn't have the luxury of going to Walmart and buying a present. They gave great thought. What should we present to the Son of God? And the second one was frankincense. It, it, it represented and symbolized his great sacrifice for our sins. Remember what the priests would do in the Old Testament? They would bring the blood for the atonement for the people. Well, remember what Jesus was going to do is his blood would forgive us of our sins. Remember what John the Baptist said? Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So when they brought the gold, it represented his kingship, his authority to rule, that he was fully God. The frankincense represented his priesthood, his sacrifice for our sins. The myrrh represented his suffering and his death. That his, it, the myrrh symbolized his sacrifice, that it's because of Jesus that we would have the forgiveness of our sins. Folks, listen, I could never, and no man, can ever forgive you or absolve you from your sins. Now, we can forgive one another, but I'm talking in the area of salvation. The only way that is possible is through the Lord Jesus Christ because when He came, He came. And I know we don't like to talk about this, but it is Bible and it is true. Jesus was born to die. He didn't come to stay. He came to give His life that we might have eternal life. He died for all of mankind. And when your star leads you to a shack of life and the star brings you to that place, what is it time to do? Same thing that these wise men did. They gave, they rendered gifts. When God brings you to that place in your life, you, you must understand it is a time for you to give. Most people, when they come to a, a situation like this and a shack situation in their life, Listen, instead of giving, what they want to do is keep it for themselves. That's a wrong response when you look at the Word of God. Look at Matthew 6, in your, or excuse me, Luke 6 in your notes. Give, read that next phrase, and it... Now, look, if you've been saved for any length of time, we don't give to get. But do you see the principle that God has in His Word? Sometimes people say, you know, I just wish God would bless my life. Here's the answer. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure, look at this. Here's God's principle. Same measure that you, that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, I will tell you this, that as we've given to the Lord over the years, it's not like I give God $1,000 and God gives me 1000 back. But remember, with the same measure will be meted to me again. Folks, I can't tell you, there's no price that you could put on children that know Christ as their Savior. Good health. I mean, I could go on, but I think you get the idea this morning. And I believe that, honestly, what the Lord meets back to us, M-E-T-E, is far greater 
We are blessed. God's been so good to us. You know, it's good to see Brother Flynn back here. And uh, Brother Flynn's been playing hooky from church for a while. But, you know, every time I went to see him and other folks would come back from seeing him, it was always about how blessed he is, how good God's been. People could say, man, he was in the shack of life. He's at home. He can't get out of, you know, he can't do this, can't do that. Mrs. Flynn told me, and her son was sitting there laughing. She's like, yeah, he was sleeping in the chair because he couldn't get lay in the bed, and he, he needed to get up in the middle of the night, and he, and, he, and he slid out of the chair, and he was laying on the floor, and he was like, help, come on, somebody, come get me, help me. And they were laughing. Can you believe they were laughing at him because he couldn't get up? I mean, here he was, just poor and defenseless, you know, probably wanted a piece of chocolate or something. I don't know, but, but listen, yeah. But here's the thing is, when, when, he's, when he found himself in that situation, you know, it would have been easy for Brother Flynn to say, I can't believe God let this happen to me. But, you know, here he is today in God's house. He's been watching the services every Sunday uh, on the computer, I guess, or something like that. But it's, it's a joy to understand this morning, just as Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The joy comes in giving, and these wise men, listen, they receive far more back than they ever gave that day, and this is always the way with God. You can't ever outgive God. A lot of times people think, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this much in. You know, folks, I'm going to tell you something. God will bless your life beyond me me measure. The Bible says he daily loadeth us with benefits. We bring, if we do according to the scriptures, we bring our tithes into the storehouse upon the first day of the week. The Lord daily loadeth us with benefits. I mean, we give to God once a week maybe, or maybe a couple times a month or something along those lines. But God blesses us every day. God's good to us every day. See, there's a lot of times I think about this when I think about the surest way to be a blessing. Can I tell you the surest way to be a blessing is that, or to get a blessing is to be a blessing. And that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be a blessing. And when we come to places like these men did and they traveled all that time and they had come, it would have been so easy for them to turn around. But when they got there, they, they, they worshiped him, which is what they intended to do. And then they gave to him. They brought those gifts. They didn't keep them for themselves. You know, we're doing this Christmas gifts to Jesus. And I've had some folks in our church say, Pastor, what is this? And I, I told them, I said, I realize it's something different, something we haven't done before. But God just kind of put that on my heart. And some of the people are kind of starting to catch the spirit of that. That it's, it's giving to the Lord. You know, many times we get things ourselves at Christmas, but what do we give to Jesus? And so, listen, when you come to the shacks of life, what are you supposed to do? Well, one thing is recognize God. The second one is render gifts that honestly are His rightfully. And then look at the third one is wise men... When they come to the shacks of life, they receive grace. Aren't you glad for the grace of God this morning? Keep the lights on, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> now, while they were there, here's what happened was they, re, they experienced the grace of God. Look at the Bible says in John 1 about Jesus. John 1, look at these verses. And the Word, capital W, which is representative of Jesus, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, now, notice the description. 
And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. So Jesus was full of grace and truth. Now look at, go down a couple verses there in your notes. Look at, the, look at these last verses. And of his fullness have, we, have all we received. And notice, and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came how? By Jesus Christ. See, listen, he is the grace of God. They experienced grace when they got to the shack of life. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. There have been so many times in my life that God's grace has been evident. And I want you to look at this because when our star leads us to a shack, number one, we can expect to find God's grace in that hour of need. Find God's grace in that hour of need. God knows what you have need of. And he said unto me, Paul said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Uh, you know, I know that life is seldom fair sometimes, and it's not what we think it should be. And when life lets us down, listen, can I tell you one thing is for sure? God will never let you down. I, I still love the words where he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When we get to those places, folks, expect. Listen, don't, don't, don't think, well, I hope. No, expect to find God's grace. Well, again, remember, what is God's grace? Jesus. And that's exactly what they experienced when they got to that humble shack. They experienced the grace of God, and we can expect that. But then also notice we can expect, secondly, God to provide leadership and guidance. Now, remember the story these men were, according to the Bible, they were called what kind of men? W-I, wise men. And a lot of times we think, well, wise, wise men, they don't need any help because they're wise. But remember what Herod had asked them. He says, hey, listen, when you get there, I want you to get word back to me because I want to come and I want to worship him too. And we all know what his intent really was. But remember, when they got there and what they found, they recognized God. They rendered their gifts to him. And listen, when it was time for them to leave, just like you and I, when we leave that humble shack, that place that God brings us to, we need God's guidance. We need his leadership in our lives. Well, I know this, the greatest asset that you have today, that I have today, that we all have today, it's not a GPS. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. When you got saved, God gave you His Holy Spirit. And God's Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. They needed the Lord's help because remember, His name was King Herod. He was in charge. And the Bible says that God gave us His Holy Spirit. And notice how be it when He, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. In other words, I will guide you. The Lord will help you. The Holy Spirit will guide you as his children. Folks, we are never alone and we are never without recourse. God will always make a way for us and he will support us 
through those opportunities or those shacks of life when things don't go exactly the way we expected them to go. And listen, if they didn't do what God wanted, they were going to have to deal with Herod. Now, here's the thought this morning is, have you ever been following maybe your direction for life, your will, or maybe we can call it a star, and when you get to the end of it, you found not a palace, but you found kind of a shack. It was not at all what you expected. Anybody ever kind of had a turn in life like that? Things didn't exactly turn out the way that they planned. Maybe for some this morning, maybe you're there right now. But can I tell you that if you stop for just a moment and you think about it, you could probably recognize that God is there in that shack. That he, he, you know, many times I've found this is true. God brings me to a place where God can deal with me, that God can work with me. It's all right, we got a little light show going on. We'll be okay. But when I think about this song that we sing this time of year, we need to be like the wise men where the, the songwriter wrote, Oh, holy night, the, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. O oh, night divine. O oh, night when Christ was born. Folks, when I look at this, the shacks of life, I know, again, the Bible doesn't use that word, but that's really what it was. It was a stable. It was a place for animals. It probably smelled. There probably wasn't, you know, nice walls and barely a roof over them. But wise people, they recognize God, and wise people, they render gifts to God, and wise people receive the grace of God in their lives. I hope that's an encouragement to you as you think about this Christmas season. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that when we come to places like this in life, and maybe it's not what we plan, but it certainly is what you plan. I think of the story of Job and how it seemed like his life just took a turn, went 360 degrees in the opposite direction. Well, even Job couldn't understand it all but I'm glad that he found you, he recognized you in it. I'm glad that, Lord, we have opportunity to render gifts to you, Lord, that we can still give to you, even in those difficult times. But I'm especially grateful for the grace of God that we receive through our Lord Jesus Christ. I bless this, this Sunday, Lord, this Lord's Day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to worship you this morning the way the wise men did. It's in his your precious name we pray. Amen. Well we